0: community and care here at Mill City Church. And if you're newer to Mill City, you've heard us say that our mission is to love our community in the name of Jesus. And so that's what we're here to practice, to be equipped for uh, this morning. That's why we gather here together. So if you're just joining us, uh, we're in this series called Steps of Faith. No surprise there. Um, And the image here isn't this stairway that you're climbing up towards God, higher and higher, you know, it's actually more of like a one step in front of the other. And steps of faith is as we follow Jesus. And sometimes those steps are truly difficult to take, or sort of just one foot in front of the other can barely make it day after day. And other steps in our lives are totally worth celebrating with the whole community, and they're monumentous moments in our lives, not only in our faith life, but in our life here in an everyday way. And so through this series, we want to be intentionally revisiting this question in the most basic, but hopefully most transformative way, what are the ways that Mill City Church is trying to follow Jesus? That's what we're trying to ask here today. So before we get into today's scripture and topic, um, would you just pray with me as we acknowledge God's presence? God, we thank you for every person who's come to gather here in your name. Lord, we, we send our kids out, and we we thank you for what they get to learn, how they get to experience your family here on this Sunday morning. God, we pray that you would turn our hearts towards you, God, that you would do something unique because we gather here together in the name of Jesus. Lord, would we just more deeply understand what it means to be rooted in your love, God? Can we come just a little bit more closer to understanding the deepness of your love, God? God, we worship you in, and we praise you that you are a God that we can do more than we can ask Imagine, so Lord, would you open up our hearts and teach us what it means to be your people, your family, those who you've committed to first as we commit to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're talking about covenant membership. No groans? I really thought there'd be some groans. I don't know. No? Okay, maybe you're as pumped about it as I am. Um, So covenant membership, I really thought there'd be like, oh but I really want this morning for us to sort of understand, to sort of re-grasp what this this is. And it's not going to be a whole sermon pitch and, you know, sales pitch on covenant membership this morning. Um, And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't truly excited about what it means to be a covenant community and to sort of recapture and re-understand that this morning. Um, Honestly, I feel like I could teach a whole class on covenant. It's that important. It's that prevalent in Scripture. And covenant is maybe one of the most misunderstood things in our world, but maybe the thing that we need the most. So, I promise you'll be out by 2 p.m. No problems there, okay? Um, But my role here as pastor of community and care at Mill City is to lead, one of the roles that I get to have is to lead the covenant membership process. And it's actually one of my favorite parts of my job, because it's in these times, these seasons, when I get to walk alongside people get to share with me what's God done in their life? How is has how their heart turned towards God? And how do they come to this point in their life where they're ready to say, I'm ready to commit to God in this way and commit to Mill City Church in this way? And so I just want to start by giving us a really simple definition so that we're on the same page. So we're going to put this definition up on the screen and I'll read it for you here. This is Mill City's understanding of covenant membership. Covenant membership is a step of faith. To covenant with God and each other so that we are empowered to join God's mission to love and redeem the world. I'll read one more time. Covenant membership is a step of faith to covenant with God and each other so that we are empowered to join God's mission to love and redeem the world. So, that understanding, I think we need to name a pretty honest tension though. We have commitment issues, right? We have commitment issues, and I feel like we could all raise our hands and be like, yeah, I kind of have trouble with commitment, just a little bit. I think the millennial generation, my generation, gets quite the bad rap for being super uncommitted, like that we can't keep a job for more than two years or something like that. But no, I was determined. I was certain that this is beyond the millennials. And the boomers, the Gen Xers, nope, divorce rates, totally the same with our... With our, you know, contracts with our cell phones. Have you noticed that the two-year contracts are totally going off the bandwagon? Like, the marketers have fit, figured us out. It's month to month. Like, they realize they can't go longer than a month. Like, these people have some issues. So, they're going to they're gonna make sure. You know, you're not locked into anything. You're good. You're good. You can go to the next place. We'd love for you to do that. Just, just sign for one month. It's okay. Or how about for me? I go to this workout studio called Studio Me. Our neighbors invited us to go with them, and I was loving it. We started going in February, and it's one where you pay class by class. But then I was thinking, this is getting kind of pricey. Like, this is not sustainable for a two-pastor salary, you know? So um, I was thinking, there's got to be a better deal. So I looked, and there are. There were memberships available. But then I look, you have to commit for a year, thinking to myself, dang it. Like, I really like this. This is obviously a better deal. What do I do? I email the owner. Do I really have to commit for a year? Like, what if life changes? Like, what if I can't go I'm committing to two times a week of working out? That's it. That's all I was committing to. She said, okay, well, if life circumstances really get tough, you don't have to. Okay, yep. I'll commit. I'm good. Great. Sign me up. I guess I'm, I'm going to try to go till February. So far, I've been doing okay. But I really think that not only I have commitment issues, but we do as a culture. Fear of commitment, though, I think has really scary consequences in our world. Just take it financially. If we don't pay rent or our mortgage, what's going to happen? We've committed and signed on the dotted line saying we commit to these things. More significantly, in our relationships. What if we leave our friends out to dry and, oh, I'll come, maybe. I'm interested in an event on Facebook. You don't even have to say you're going. I'm just interested. I want to keep my options open. Right? But even now, like, marriages suffer. What if at one point I'm just not feeling it anymore? What does it mean to commit? So I can really see why a lot of us might have a ton of anxiety Of what it means to commit to a body of people to see what God's going to do here for year after year and I've had long conversations with many of you as you walk into the covenant membership process that are nervous and the number one question that I've heard is how do I know that I'm not going to be hurt by the church how do I know I'm not going to be hurt by this church maybe like I was at the last one I was at we don't know it's a risk And so that's why we're talking about it as a step of faith this morning. But God has been doing covenant relationship for years, since the beginning of time. We see from creation to Jesus to now, this is a theme, this is something that God's been doing over and over, where he recommits to us. There must be something to it. There must be something, the reason why we keep at this. And so we need to seek to understand what covenant really is. And so when you hear covenant, I think the the kind of default is to hear contract, right? Covenant, commitment, contract, not the same. Contract is this way of understanding these terms that you're committing to. A cell phone agreement, that is a contract. A gym membership, that's a contract. You're saying, yes, I commit to these terms. And it's going to hopefully benefit both parties who's in the contract. A covenant, though, a covenant, especially in biblical, Understanding is God committing to us, and it's based in relationship. It starts with relationship, and with God, it starts with God committing to us. And so, before we turn to our passage, I just want to go back to this definition, sort of that understanding. If you wouldn't mind putting that up on the screen Steph. and stuff. We're going to read this again. Covenant membership is a step of faith to covenant with God and each other so that we are empowered to join God's mission to love and redeem the world. So as we go into the book of Ephesians, where our scripture is going to be, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, 14 through 22. So if you brought a Bible, you can turn there as I sort of preface that um, before we read The book of Ephesians is this guiding light of where we've drawn what it means to be a covenant member, what it means to be a part of Mill City Church. It's really the how of what it means to do this. It's the practices. And Paul is writing this letter from, from, or to Ephesus from prison. And this whole book is about unity in the church. He knows that he's, he's addressing two radically different groups here. So in the city of Ephesus, there were the Jews and the Gentiles. And Jews, traditionally, they were the people who were near to God. They were the ones, sort of the favored ones. That's how they were viewed, and that's how they thought of themselves as well. Yet because of Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles, the Gentiles who were these outsiders, just on the outside of relationship with God, because of Jesus, they were both invited to belong in this church. Because of the access that Jesus paves the way for relationship with God. But that didn't change the fact that there was just a whole lot of fear of the other. You're different. You don't have the same background as me. I don't get the way you think. I think that sounds pretty familiar to how we live in our culture today so before i get into this text i wish my my neighbor becca was in the room because how many texans do we have in the room do we have any people oh my gosh there's like six all right welcome you're still here in minnesota i'm proud of you like that's hard it's cold here so um but they're gonna read this and they're gonna see the word you and texans get y'all right y'all We don't say that. kind of wish we did. It sounds like a fun thing we could add back into our vocabulary. But there's this y'all, okay? When Paul is writing this, he's not writing to you individually. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. So we need to put on what it means to understand this to a whole group of people. So to Ephesus and to Mill City Church, we can read this this morning. So Ephesians 2. Okay, I guess I'm popping in out here. Let me switch it up. hello hello we're good okay, let's read this together Ephesians two fourteen through 22 for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commandments and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put together death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Those are the Jews and the Gentiles. For through him we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. Now, read this. Consequently, because of what Jesus did, he opens up this relationship with God and each other. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with god's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with christ jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which god lives by his spirit I'm going to read those last few verses, 19 through 22 again, but in a different version. As I was uh, reading and researching this week, I felt like it just can land on our ears differently and maybe on our hearts differently as well. So this is from the new, the, uh, New International Reader's Version. You are no longer outsiders and foreigners. You are citizens together with God's people. You are also members of God's family. You are a building that is built on the apostles and prophets. They are the foundation. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in the building. The whole building is being held together by him. It rises to become a holy temple because it belongs to the Lord. And because you belong to him, you too are being built together. You are being made into a house where God lives through his spirit. So what is Paul saying to us about what it means to be a covenant community? The first is that we are no longer strangers or outsiders. Because of what God's done, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. Think of how the Gentile people would be hearing this. For centuries, they were made to feel like they were just on the outside of a relationship with God, that they weren't really God's people. But here Paul says... No, 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 because if you receive Jesus in your life, no, no, you're allowed in God's kingdom. You are a citizen. You belong there. You belong as part of God's kingdom. They would think of Rome. In, in Rome, that was the most powerful, you know, power in the, in the ancient world. Citizens of Rome had the most privileges. They, were, they, they knew that no matter where they went, they had a home base back in Rome where they would be able to live out whatever they hoped to live out in that time. They knew they belonged there. that's what Paul wants us to hear today, is that we belong. How many of us, not only just us, but maybe people that we know, are walking around wondering, do I really belong? Do I really belong here? Are you wondering, are you the only person in the room with your skin color? Or maybe, am I the only one who's really gone through this one thing? Will anyone really be able to understand me? Am I the only one without kids? Am I the only one without a significant other, married? The worst feeling, I think, is to feel like we're estranged. Feel like we don't really have a place. In prep for this, I asked a few of our Covenant members to share what they value about being a Covenant member with Mill City. Steph Kihei said, you know, I don't have to wonder if I'm in or if I'm out. I know that I belong and I think that just says it perfectly to me so maybe you haven't been told this before but I want to tell you today in God's church and in this church you belong you belong here you are welcome here thing what another thing that illustrates this there's this group that's formed I call them the transplants in Mill City There's all these people that, you know, a lot of people grew up in Minnesota and might have family roots here, but some people don't. They come here and they move and, you know, they don't have much for family here. These people, I get this text right around the holidays usually because they know I'm from California originally and J.D. and I have family kind of out of ways from here. Hey, what are you doing for the 4th of July? What are you doing for Easter? We're just going to get together. Whoever doesn't have a place to go, you can come here we're going to barbecue, we're going to have Easter brunch, we're going to figure something out because it's more important that we know that we belong, and we don't want anyone to think that they don't have a place to go. That's what it means to be church, to invite those people in to make sure that those who don't have a place to go have a place to go. So I think that illustrates that you don't have to worry if you're in or out, you belong here. Secondly, we see we get to be family. Some of you are thinking, we get to? We get to be family? No, it says, you are members of God's household, brothers and sisters. But I say that jokingly, but let's be real. Like, being family is hard. I mean, being family with my own family can be hard. But I love them. It's hard, and it's messy, and it can be beautiful. And it's hard because you can't be family by yourself right? You can't get rid of the crazies that are in there. The, the uncle or the, the cousin or the one who says weird things to you is still a part of your family. You can't get rid of the people you disagree with. To be family, we need to choose love sometimes over being right. We need to seek to understand rather than just trying to prove our point. What we learn about family is family is in it for the long haul. That's why I love, you know, Mill City is in some ways is a new church because we've only been around nine years, but God has done a lot of things. And the people who've been here for longer have been able to see what God has done over that time and have been able to see maybe some of those hard conversations that people need to have. So where do I see people living out family at Mill City? I see it when missional communities, without a doubt, will drop what they're doing and will help a member of that missional community move. This happened a couple weekends ago where Emily and Matt McIntosh, we were moving stuff. Our missional community was just like bringing stuff in and out. It was a sweaty, hot, humid day. And she said, you know, Mill City has actually helped us move the past two times. I'm like, oh, well, I guess we should start our own company. I don't know. I took a picture because I wasn't doing any heavy lifting. I was just running around after my kid. But that's what we do. We help each other move. We, we drop things to be able to serve one another. Or it's when I see Laura McLuhan and Debbie Zongo without question discipline each other's kids. What the heck are you doing? Get over here. Put down those scissors. I love it. It's when someone drives you to the impound lot in the middle of winter because you got towed again. Right? I've totally done that. And I think it's just having dinner at somebody's house unplanned. Family doesn't say, you know, let's put it out. You know, I think we have to just be in that place where we can, we're hanging out, let's just have dinner. It's about being together. It doesn't matter what people have in the fridge, let's just put something on the table. Or I think about personally with JD and myself having a new kiddo in our lives, we don't have blood family necessarily to fill in all the babysitting gaps. So it's Laura Rosquarla this morning watching our little kid, little Rosie. Or it's Katie Fogg two weeks ago. Because we work on Sundays. What the heck am I supposed to do? We ask for help. That means so much to us. But we have to be honest. And I'm going to be honest in saying that I've tried. There is no church program that creates this. Pastor of Community Care here. If you have any ideas, let me know. But I really believe... To be family, there is no church program that creates this. We have to create this. It's people willing to ask for help and to offer help simply because the love of Christ compels us. Because we're committed to each other. Another thing, what it means to be family, is I need to assert that we need to stop believing this myth that we can follow Jesus all on our own. It's not possible. We live in a very individualistic society where individuals, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you're on your own, you got your own thing going. Maybe you'll be able to follow Jesus for a while, you know, but it's not sustainable to really live a life that you're proud of that is full of love and mission and purpose. We need to do this together. We need to stop believing the myth. We can follow Jesus on our own. And I think it's really important that I address that lingering question that I asked at the beginning. How do I know that I'm not going to get hurt at this church? Number one question I get asked for people considering covenant membership. And I think we need to be honest in that no one should promise you, no one can promise you that you won't get hurt. I think it's actually safer to assume that you will. But our hope is that we follow a God who gives us the courage to admit when we've done wrong. And I've watched people do this, where they've said, I need your forgiveness. We want to do that as a church community, and where we extend forgiveness and second chances. That's the courage that we have, because Jesus did that first with us, forgave us first. And so part of the membership process is that the leadership team wrote a peacemaking procedure document that we have everyone read because we we just assume that we're going to need a little help along the way to understand each other better. So, family is in it for the long haul. Doesn't make it easy. But we get to see what God's done over time. The third thing that I see in the scripture is that our church foundation is built on the apostles and the prophets. We have a family history we have a family history throughout Scripture that we aren't the first church. You know, I think sometimes when when churches try new things, we're like, "Oh yeah, we're the first one to do this covenant community thing." No, no, we aren't the first church to be trying this out, to be committed to one another. We might be doing it slightly differently, but we see throughout the meta narrative of Scripture, or what we call in our many and mighty mills, the Big God story. We see God doing this covenant relationship with his people over and over again. And when his people fail, God's there to commit and covenant with them again. He's ready that his relationship doesn't go away. And so similar to other history books, we need to look back and we need to learn from our mistakes and we need to look back and see what God's done over time throughout Scripture. So God makes covenants with Adam and Eve, with Noah, with Abraham, with David, and then the new covenant through Jesus. Our foundation is on these stories. Our confidence can come that God's not going anywhere, no matter how bad it gets. So we look back. Let's just take Abraham's story of what promise God made to him. In Genesis 12, he says, I will make you a great nation. The nation of Israel is who they become, right? And I will bless you. All the nations will be blessed through you. And all the nations will be blessed through you. I think one of the mistakes that covenant people have made over the years is they often missed that they were blessed to be a blessing. That blessing wasn't just for them. The blessing that God gave Abraham wasn't just for the Israelites. Covenant communities were never meant to be this insular group, never meant to be this little Christian clique that somehow we've become at various points. always meant to be a blessing, to be including other people, to be reaching out to the nations as it's put here. God's been saying the same thing over the generations. You need to be, you are blessed to be a blessing. As Jesus puts it in John 13, he says, to love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That love that you have for one another, let that overflow so that it points to Jesus. The last thing that I, we see in this scripture, this last metaphor really, is a building. Which to me, if I'm tracking here with Paul, totally sounds strange. Like, let's, let's listen to this progression. Stranger, you go from a stranger to a citizen to a family, and now you're a building. Like what 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 is he trying to get at here? I don't really think it's that climactic, personally, but if we really look at what he's trying to say here, I don't think he wants us to miss this. The building wasn't any building, it's a temple where God's spirit dwells. Where God's spirit dwells. He says you two are being built together to become a dwelling place for God's spirit. And to someone hearing this this letter originally, an ancient Jew or a Gentile, this was crazy. This was crazy talk because only the Jewish priests in this time were allowed to be near to God in the temple. Only they were allowed to experience God's dwelling place. The favored, the few. But now, when we gather together for worship, for our missional communities, in homes around the table, serving together... God's spirit dwells with us? Do we we grasp that? That Jesus went to these massive lengths, these sacrifices to give of himself, to take on the cost of sin and death in the world, so that God could be near to us when we gather together. We are being built together with Jesus at the center. There's a part of me that just It doesn't feel like we deserve this with how broken we can be. But God is so committed. That's what he's doing over and over again. He's drawing near to us. You're gathering together. I'm going to show up. I promise. I'm going to show up. I promise. And so if God's doing all of this, what do we do? What's our part? We just need to show up. We just need to come. We need to gather. It says in Hebrews, to not give up on the practice of meeting together in homes and in worship. Don't give up because you're going to experience something different when you are together rather than by yourself. For me, um, I'm part of a missional community called Devoted. I've kind of referenced it a couple times. And um, one of the things we do on a monthly basis is we, we go into strip clubs and our whole heart is just to extend conversation and re- relationship, kind of try try and be kind, a kind face to people working in the sex industry. Our heart is to see human trafficking decrease in our city. And you know, the, the talking to a stranger piece isn't too hard for me personally. But there's we do this on a Friday night. Who loves their Friday nights? I do. We do this on a Friday night and I'll be honest, almost every Friday rolls around that we're going to go out and there's just a part of me that just wants to sit in my pajamas and watch a movie. I'm just being real. like, But I go. I go because I've said yes to the people in my group that are going to go to. I'm going to be there. I go because I, I anticipate God doing something different when we go together. And I am blown away. That every time, every time, just us being there usually brings a woman to tears usually makes me see, wow, God got just a little nearer to her heart, where that wouldn't have happened if we didn't go together. I'm not going to do that by myself. We do that together. And so we just need to show up. Maybe showing up is just getting there, getting to church, getting to your missional community, spending time with one another, serving. Sometimes you don't have to always be feeling it. But sometimes it's also leading. It's using the gifts that you have, your abilities, and saying, I'm ready to influence. I'm ready to be here with with everything that I am. And so we show up because we trust that God is going to do something unique when we gather together. We get to be the dwelling place for God's spirit. So, as I close, covenant membership at Mill City Church is not the only application of this scripture, right? But it's one of the ways that we live out these truths together. It's one of the most practical ways to practice this together. But it is a step of faith with God and one another. It's how we answer the question, who is Mill City Church? And how do we live on this mission? It's it's the way we practically define that. And I have I've kind of coven, covenants down here for those of you who are ready to maybe take that step. So, whether you're saying, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to commit, I want to explore what this looks like to say yes to what God's doing here through Mill City Church and yes to what God can do in you as we gather, as He sends us out. But maybe some of you aren't ready to take that step, and it's just God inviting you to take one step further towards Him. But I really want you to hear this come to membership or not. We want you as part of this family, we want you here. Never be mistaken that you are welcome here, okay? Hold on to that. God invites us into his family. We experience that invitation from him, and we want to extend that invitation to you. We really believe that we are better together than apart. I'm going to invite the band to come up as we close, and we're going to be taking communion. The servers can come forward as well. We're taking communion together, and for us at Mill City, communion is this gathering together around a table. This table that that Jesus had with his disciples. He had this meal together with them. And this is the place where we experience God's grace, his love and presence offered to us through Jesus Christ. And that his forgiveness is not only for us, but for us to extend to one another. Because of what Jesus did, he makes this possible, right? Where we can come to the table to remember that we are not alone. Look at the people around you when you come up. You are not alone. We might not feel like we're close to everyone in the room, but God does something different when we gather here, when we're open to him. And so all followers of Jesus are welcome to the table. The, ble- the bread is gluten-free, so we invite you to come forward Um, in the aisles and you dip the bread into the cup and there's people to pray for you along the sides of the walls because we really want you to know that you're not alone so you might even not know what you want prayer for but there are people ready to do that with you as i was praying for our church i asked god what what do you want to say today what what's one thing you want people to grasp that you don't want them to miss And part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because my life has been totally transformed because I belong to a church family. I know that I'm loved, that I don't have to question that. And when I forget, you all are here to remind me of that. So I wrote this sort of, maybe I've been reading a lot of kids' books and I'm all into the rhyming these days, but this is what I want you to hold on to as you take communion, as you worship, as you respond to God, as he invites you into this relationship to be a part of his family. You belong here. Do you feel out of place? Lost? Estranged? You belong here. Jesus, our brother, went to the greatest lengths so that we could really, truly love one another. You belong here. Perfection is not the standard. Not even close. Honesty, humility, vulnerability. Let's practice these ways the most. You belong here. In God's family, we find our identity. As brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, God's presence is with us. Don't miss it. You belong here. Let's get rid of the lie that purpose and mission can be done on our own. Don't wander any longer. Let God's church be your home. You belong here. Let's tell the truth. I need you, you need me. Being open and honest is what makes us family. You belong here. 2, 4 or 16 years listening, we can hear God better, leaning in and receiving. You belong here. Feeling tired, worn out, from fighting the good fight, take a break for a minute. Let someone else carry it. You belong here. God's mission propels us. His love transforms us. We are better together.